Heavenly Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you'll move on this listener right now in your gentle, loving, powerful, and merciful way as they listen to this message from All Nations Church in Tallahassee. Amen. This morning, we are really delighted to have Bill Schwartz with us. He's no stranger to the house. Been here many, many, many times. One of our career missionaries doing a phenomenal work, not only in Belgium, but in many areas of Europe. Would you just stand and give him a royal missionary welcome right here at All Nations Church this morning? Good morning. So thankfully, I'm here to bridge the gap between rebellion and the First Lady. So those who have offended our First Lady, we're going to receive another missions offering, and this is for you to ask for forgiveness. It's penance. Good morning, all nations. Now, I used to come to Tallahassee and preach at a church called Christian Heritage, but now I'm at All Nations Church. Somebody say amen to that. And I cannot think of a more fitting name for your church. Um, Can I say something without being offensive this morning? Uh, Please know that I live in a very metropolitan city. I live in a very diverse country. 40 nationalities represent our church. And not just people who have ancestry, people that came from those nations to our church. So when I go to an all-white church, I get a little bit scared, okay? I love diversity, amen? And I believe that every church should represent their city and every church should represent heaven, amen? And so I see a diverse, a diverse group of people here today every time that I come. And in addition to that, how many of you guys know that this church loves the nations? Loves the nations and we could not be doing. Go ahead and give the Lord a hand for that. Amen. We, I can tell you with all positivity, I can validate it from now until forever that we would not be on the field today if it wasn't for All Nations Church in Tallahassee, Florida. This is our number one supporting church and the work that God is doing in Belgium. And I often like to clarify this. Um, I have a big part of my team who are bivocational. They serve in the ministry as well as work professional jobs. Me as an American living in Belgium, I can't do that. I'm not allowed to work. I'm not allowed to take jobs away from Belgian people. And every year I have to validate to the government that 100% of my finances are coming from outside of Belgium. So if it was not for your support, we would not be in Belgium and in Europe doing the work we're doing today. So I just wanna say thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, One of my mentors used to say that everybody has a responsibility to missions. Some people go, some people send. And uh, I just wanna say this to you, and I, I guess I'll say it prophetically, but it's just the reality when a church has a DNA for missions, I just believe that someday there's going to be missionaries leaving this church, leaving this church to go to other nations because you're investing in those things. I was at a church last week, and this is to encourage you. I was at a church last week. Their average daily, everybody say daily, missions giving is $6,849 a day is what they're giving to missions. Now, here's what I want you to understand. I went and looked at their missions board and the pastor's daughter's name is up there. They have other missionaries that have been sent out of that church. And I just want to say, pastor, I'm sure it's in your heart and your vision because I know you're a man for the nations. I think there's going to be a day that from All Nations Church, there's going to be missionaries that are sent out from this place to bring the gospel to the dark places of the world. Amen. 
So give the Lord a big hand for that, for Missions Vision. Amen. I'm going to take a moment just to show you what you're investing in. Thank you guys so much. Um, we're going to take about 15 minutes to do this, and then we're going to get into the Word. Can we do that? If I promise that we can beat the Baptist to the buffet, can we, can we do that this morning? All right. If you guys can put up the first slide, please. This morning, we are in Belgium. And for those that don't know, uh, you can go to the next slide. It's my beautiful family. They just left Friday. Uh, next slide, if you would, please. Uh, we, that's for the message. Is there another slide up there? Let me just tell you that we live in a country that's in 11 and a half million people. We are the lowest Christian population in all of Europe. 1.35% of the country are Christians. I want you to think about that. 1.35% of the country that are believers. Now, um, and among the actual Belgian people, so we have most of the believers in Belgium are people who are already Christians and moved into the country. So the majority of Belgians, indigenous Belgian people, is only less than a half a percent. Uh, the last statistic we received, the 1.35% was given by the government in 2018 on Easter Sunday. But the, uh, the next statistic is 0.48% of indigenous Belgian people. That hasn't been updated in a couple years, but folks, that's why we're in Belgium. Bringing the gospel to people who needed to hear it so desperately. Amen? And you're a part of that journey. Now, what do we do? Well, say this with me. Everybody say, make disciples, train leaders, and plant churches. Say it one more time. Say, make disciples, train leaders, and plant churches. That's all we do. That's it. We, wanna, we don't want to just bring people to a place that they realize that they need Jesus. We want them to become a disciple. What is a disciple? One who commits their life to live like Jesus. One who commits their life to live in a, a life of obedience. Amen? And we want to train leaders who are going to continually train the disciples. And we want to plant churches. Why? Because church planting is the most stabilizing force of any community. This is a teaching that I give when we're training other missionaries. We believe in church planting. Amen? And I want you guys to know that in the last 18 years, we just completed our 18th year in Belgium. In the last 18 years... Uh, we have we have trained leaders who have planted this year was our 29th church that we've seen planted now Can I just give you the raw facts about 10 of those didn't make it? About 10 of them failed Here's what I want you to hear from hear from me about that If you're not willing to take a risk, you'll never do anything for the kingdom of God Amen. 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 So we believe in church planting and thank you guys for helping us with that now in the, in the process of making disciples we have something called converge week and that's where we have young people who come from all over europe we're now in two locations uh, this church has invested in that event in the past and this is where we bring young people from all over europe in fact we have a church from south florida that comes every year to be a part of that and we have a week of just discipling these young people training them to minister to other people planting the seeds of passion to serve other people every day this is our philosophy Every day we're in the word, every day we're in his presence, and every day we're serving someone else. Every single day, because that's the lifestyle that we believe disciples should be pursuing. Amen? So this is part of our process. Out of that group, we have sent out new missionaries. Uh, can I see the next slide, please? We have sent out, I think the last time I was here, I might have shared with you, Catalyst is our internship, which has come out of uh, a Converge, where young people come serve with us for six weeks over the summer. Next slide, if you would, please. Uh, this is our churches. 
Uh, this is my main campus, the bridge, Brussels, Belgium. My wife and I pastor this church, and we're in two locations, which I'll show you in a moment. Next slide, if you would, please. Uh, this is our Antwerp campus. Uh, it's in a cafe. I think you, I've talked about this with you folks before. I'm going to talk about this church towards the end of the message today. Next slide, if you would, please. This is our newest church plant. Mark and Jeannie McClung, who are also missionaries, spent 30 years in Germany, and we have 72,000 German speakers in Belgium on the German border. And so they agreed to come back with us. And in the middle of a pandemic, that was an opportunity for you to clap, all right? For in the middle of a pandemic, we planted that church. And uh, we started, they were doing Bible studies in McDonald's uh, to meet people going into the park and meeting people. And God supernaturally opened up that building for us. And uh, the Lord is gonna do great things there. Every Sunday we're online right now because everything is locked down. Next slide, if you would, please. Uh, so I can share this with you. Uh, our newest church plant targets. Now the offering that you folks gave us are going to help us here. Um, we, are, we have a growing Spanish population in our Antwerp campus. I'm going to talk about that a little bit today. Uh, we want to launch that into a church. In the Ardennes region, we have a family that's there that's ready to help us open a French-speaking church. In Charleroi, our vision is to plant a, a mother church in the five major cities. We're in three of them right now. Charlotte was the next one. Somebody say amen. Charlotte and Liege are the next two churches. And then uh, the bridge online. Now, we have invested a lot of money in technology because of the pandemic. And so our strategy right now is that we are paying for advertising to send language-based services into other cities. So it's a French-speaking city. We have a 35-minute church service that we're going to be preaching hope. We're going to be preaching Jesus in that city, paying for advertising through Facebook and other social media platforms to start to connect with people in that city. We are not going to let a pandemic stop us from advancing the gospel. Amen. Somebody say amen to that. <laughs> We're in complete lockdown right now. We can only have 10 people in for live streaming services, but we are still going to continue to advance. And these are the targets that we have in the next couple of years. We just want to start seeing more and more churches, life-giving churches, being established throughout Belgium. And we recently had a baptism service. Let me see the next slide. Uh, we recently had, okay, so mission, let me go to missionaries. This is Noemi. We sent her out two years ago, our first full-time missionary supported by Belgium. I'm going to say it one more time. Our first full-time missionary supported by Belgium. She fell in love. She's now home, engaged, ready to get married. But we're thankful that God let us send her out. Next slide, if you would, please. Uh, this is Minna. Minna is our first confirmed short-time missionary, short-term missionary, where she's going in four times a year into Congo. It's her home country, although she was born in Europe. Her ancestry is in Congo. And we are sponsoring a ministry that is taking kids off the streets. And there's several homeless kids that are there. This is Minna. Her goal is in the next three years to be full-time. And we're going to send her. Everybody say send. We're going to send her out into Congo. Next slide, if you would, please. Uh, this is my daughter, and it was just released and announced today, uh, this week, I'm sorry. Uh, she has been approved as a missionary. She's moving to Hungary in January, and she's going to be serving at the Awakening Base for two years, which is a ministry to raise up young adult leaders all over Europe. And the next slide, if you would, please. I had to put my son in there. He graduated high school. My daughter just graduated college. And uh, this is my son who is going to DTS, Discipleship Training, training School, in Louisville, Kentucky for five months uh, to get close to Jesus and to figure out his next. And we're sending him as well from our church. Now, folks, I, I want you all to pray for me 
uh, because as of January, we are going to be empty nesters. Now, mama's crying and I'm doing the happy dance, you know, <laughs> uh, both kids will be gone in January. So uh, next slide, if you would, please. This is a recent baptism that we had, and I want you to look up there because I'm going to talk about one of these ladies today, one of these men today, because we just baptized our first person who is transgender. But there's a great story behind it. There's a great story behind it. Born a man, became a woman, and is now found his and her identity in Christ, is now becoming a man again, free in Christ. And listen, she said to me before I left, he said, he said to me before I left, I will preach the gospel. Come on, somebody. God is changing lives. Amen. Next slide, if you would, please. Uh, this is uh, just a couple pictures uh, of the people, the, the, the person at the bottom right there, that is the transgender person that I just spoke to you about. The Lord is giving uh, him a new identity. Next slide, if you would, please. Um, this is a young girl, a ballet dancer uh, that is in Belgium, gave her life to Jesus the first Sunday she visited us. And it has been amazing to see the victory that God's been giving her. I just want to say a huge, huge thank you for your support and partnership for what we're doing. And folks, I'm telling you, we're going to continue pressing on. We're going to continue pressing on. We're going to, I, I have at least another 40 years in me. Come on, somebody. Amen. Let's give the Lord a big hand. Let's go to the message, if you would, please. If you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Luke. And we are going to share a message today that I've entitled, What If He Said No? And I want you to think of the, in the context of missions, but I also want you to think in the context of this. If you hear my voice today online or you're hearing my voice today uh, because you're here in person, uh, how many of you are grateful to be here in person today? I was glad when they said unto me, let's go to the house of the Lord. Amen. If you hear my voice today, I want you to know something. God is not done with you yet. Do you know how you know the enemy's lost in your life today? John chapter 10 tells us that the thief comes to kill to steal and destroy comes to kill steal and destroy he wants to take your identity he wants to take you out if you're hearing my voice today and you're breathing breath through your lungs the devil is already lost in your life today come on somebody amen there's a reason why you live we define ministry as influence and the way you use that influence is what can impact people's lives uh, I recently lost my mother, and it was very sudden and unexpected, and I had to fly to California and drive across the country with her belongings, and along the way, I began to stop and visit mentors in my life, and I, you know, death does something to you. It makes you ponder. It makes you think about things. It makes you, th it, 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 you begin to evaluate what you value and what's not so important. You know what I value? The people who have spoken into my life that brought me to the place I'm at today. Amen. They knew that they had influence and they used it for the kingdom of God. I told my youth pastor who now lives in Houston, Texas, sitting across the table at a restaurant, tears in my eyes. I said, I would not be the person I am today if it wasn't for your obedience. My pastor, who's 80 years old, just fought a bout with COVID. Every Wednesday and Friday, they have prayer at my home church. Now, his grandson's the pastor. He's the pastor emeritus. And, and right after his bout with COVID, I'm working that morning and I'm listening to the prayer service online and I hear my pastor's voice. 
And I just began to cry. I, I, it, I just wept sitting there because I thought to myself, what if he said no in 1973 to go start that church? Would I be where I'm at today? Now, here's what I want you to hear. You are who you are today because somebody said yes. That's it. Come on. You are who you are today because somebody was obedient to what God, everybody say God, asked them to do. You're the result of somebody else's faith. You're the result of somebody else's influence. You're the result of somebody else's yes. Now, as we read this passage in Luke chapter 4, we're going to see how God, I'm so Luke chapter 5, I'm sorry, how the Lord is speaking, Jesus, to Peter. We're going to read from verse 4 through 8. It says, when he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, everybody say nevertheless. At your word, I will let down the net. And, and when, they had, when, when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish and their nets was breaking. So they signaled, everybody say signaled. They called their other partners. They signaled to their partners on the other, uh, in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. And when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, depart from me for I am sinful, O Lord. Father, we ask you to speak to us today. We ask you to not only speak to us in our hearing, but in our hearts. Lord, I pray that you call to the deep parts of each and every person who hears this voice today, who hears this message today. And Lord, I pray that you teach us the difference between the response of yes and no. In Jesus' name, amen. Say it with me. Look at your neighbor and say, what if he said no? I believe with everything that's in me, the poorest person in the room tonight, this morning, the poorest person hearing my voice today is not a person without money. It's a person that doesn't understand their purpose. Because it's discovering purpose that leads to vision. You can't have vision that's real vision without understanding what God's created you to be. And he's created everyone significantly. He's created everyone intentionally. I love Jeremiah chapter 1. As the Lord speaks and talks about Jeremiah, that before he, went his mother's, before he was in his mother's womb, God knew him. Set him apart to be a prophet to the nations. I want you to know God knew you before you're in your mother's womb. And he set you apart. And I believe there's this deep urging to find purpose in life. A seed that was planted in the heart of man from the hand of God. I truly believe that we are answers to other people's problems. When we heard the Lord call us to missions, I want you to know uh, my first response was new. How many guys ever had that kind of response? New. You want to know why? Because I had a plan for myself. I was going to plant a church in Lake City, Florida. We were going to be on TBN. I was going to have some rings and jackets and ties with my initials on them. And we were going to take the world for Jesus in the name of Bill. That's my name, by the way, Bill. 
But how many of you know that we can make our plans, but it's the plans of God that stand? Amen? We often come to God in prayer and we bring our dreams to Him and say, Lord, just bless it. Look what I could do for you. Just bless it. You know what I found in my life? I was a basketball coach for 16 years of my life. And I want to tell you something. I'm not saying this to brag, but I was a good one. We won championships. We put some guys in college. I love, love, love the game of basketball. My son is now following in my footsteps. He's going to discipleship training school with an emphasis of basketball, using basketball as an influence for Jesus. And I remember negotiating with God and telling God, look what I could do for you. I could mentor young men in locker rooms. I could, I could, that could be my platform to preach the gospel. And what a great call, by the way. Wherever you're at, if you you don't have to be in full time ministry to be an influence. How many of you guys realize that? That's right. You don't have to be a missionary or a preacher that stands behind a podium. So using your platform to influence others is a great call. It just wasn't the call that God had for me. It was the call I wanted Him to do. Lord, here's here's my talent. Here's my passion. Use it. I kind of found that us inviting God into our world doesn't always work out. It's accepting the invitation from Him to involve us in His world. You see, God has a dream for us. And we need to align our dream to His dream. And can I tell you something? I wake up every day living on purpose. My feet hit the ground. And I'm thinking about the rest of my day. I love, 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 love what I do. First of all, you saw the picture of my wife. You know, you know that's a miracle from God. Come on, somebody. Did you see my beautiful family? Come on. I'm a blessed man. But every day, I get to give the devil H-E double hockey sticks. Come on, folks. I, I get to raid hell with a water pistol. Amen. Amen. How many guys are with me? Yeah. I love living on purpose, amen? And I realize that the life that he gives is greater than the life that we'll ever give ourselves. There is this thing, because I believe that there's an invitation. There's an invitation just like Peter had in this moment. And I want you to think about it. Peter had an opportunity. They had been fishing all night. By the way, that was their profession. They caught nothing. How many of you guys like fishing? I, I heard there's something called gator hunting around here. How many of you guys like and y'all, can, y'all I'm, I'm going to stay on the shore. Y'all go have fun. How many of you guys have ever fished all night and caught nothing? Now, there's this little sticker that says, a bad day of fishing is better than a good day of working anytime. I don't think so. How many of you guys have been fishing and frustrated? This was Peter. But it wasn't for fun. It was his profession. And here Jesus comes and says, huh, why don't you try it again? Now, Peter had an opportunity. He could have said yes or no. He could have said what? Yes or no. Now, that's the same invitation that we have. God is speaking to us. He's speaking to you. And we have a response to say either yes or no. My question is, what if Peter would have said no? Listen, the, the, the response of yes is a word of affirmation. It's a word of agreement. It's a word that brings a commitment and a trust. The word no is a refusal. It's lacking commitment and agreement, and it's lacking trust. Both words have value. How many of you know there are some things in life you need to say no to? 
Like when you're on a diet and you pass by Kentucky Fried Chicken. Come on, folks, just say no. You know what gets me in America? There's two things that get me in America. Every time I come here, I have a dream. I have a dream. I'm going to lose 100 pounds. But you have something called Krispy Kreme, and that light flashes for a reason. Come on, everybody say resist. I lose every time. We need to say no to that. Is that right? Come on, folks. How many guys are with me? But yes is an invitation to a possibility. Peter said yes. And we saw the miracle that happened. Now listen, as we look at this text, you've got to understand what happened to Peter's life after this. He became an apostle of Jesus. He walked on water with Jesus. He was the first to proclaim Jesus as the Son of God in Matthew chapter 16. He preached the gospel message on the day of Pentecost where 3,000 people were added to the church. He's credited for seeing multiple people healed supernaturally and was a major influence in the Council of Jerusalem in the book of Acts chapter 15. And the Catholics claim him as their father of their church planting the first churches. I want you to know that when Peter said yes to Jesus out of simply being obedient to cast his net one more time, we see the harvest that happened, but I want to submit to you today, if he said no at that moment, we would probably have never heard of Peter again. It was that yes that led, led to an opportunity for more yeses. Yes, I will preach the gospel. Yes, I will become an apostle of Christ. Yes, I will, I will pray for the sick and see them healed. You see, your yes leads to other opportunities to say yes. We go from faith to faith to glory to glory. You know what that means? That when you have this level of faith, that's the glory of, that God gets. When you get this level of faith, that's the glory that God gets. Now listen, if you don't have this level of faith, you're never going to have this level of faith. Every yes leads to an opportunity. So I want to give you four things today. You guys ready? Four things to help us understand our yeses to God, our obedience to Him. The first thing is this. Obedience is often against human intellect. Our obedience is often in conflict with human intellect. It made zero sense for Bill Schwartz to move across the country I'm sorry, not crossing across the globe, across the Atlantic Ocean, to leave his family where I had a career, I owned a home, I was happy with my life, but it wasn't what God called me to do. It made zero sense to our family who had lived their lives to save up retirement so they could retire for a couple years before they go on to heaven. They just thought that was the path that we needed to go. It made zero sense to have stability to move to live by faith. How many of you guys understand? Peter, it made no sense to him. This was his profession. Anybody know what Jesus did for a profession? He was what? A carpenter. Could you imagine Peter saying, you know, Jesus, you know, why don't you go make a chair or something? This is what we do for a living. It made zero sense to him to cast his nets out again after they'd fished all night and caught nothing. They were professionals at fishing. I want to tell you something. There's going to be things that God asks you to do that makes no sense to you whatsoever. Come on, folks. Amen. There's going to be opportunity 
to say, God, what you talking about? That's right. And here's what I, I want you to see. You can go from Genesis to Revelation. You'll see this pattern over and over again. God will ask you to do something you can't do within yourself because it causes us to rely on him. Remember Gideon's army? Started out with 22,000, was reduced to 300 by the word of the Lord. And right before they go into battle, God said, now listen, I reduced you for a reason. Because no man's going to walk away from this battle claiming the credit. People are going to understand only God can do that. Come on, folks. I want to ask you a question. I want to ask you, how many of you know that God is speaking to you right now? But you're saying, well, that's against my own intellect. It's not logical. I find that often God is not logical, but he's always right. I'm going to say it again. Often he's not logical, but he's always right. You know, he's batting, he's batting a thousand. He's never failed. Come on, folks. And even in our failures, he still wins. Romans 8, 28, all things. Come on, folks, all things. All things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his if you love him and you're pursuing his purpose, guess what? Even your mess-ups become a victory. Come on, folks. Amen. Amen. Yeah. He's going to challenge us in our intellect. Now, let me tell you what else happens that we can learn from this passage. Our greatest blessings uh, comes out of our obedience. Our greatest blessings come out of our obedience. Verse 6, look at it. They had struggled all night. But being obedient when Jesus said to cast her nets out. You know, Peter struggled with it. Well, I've been doing this all night, but nevertheless, nevertheless, we'll give it another shot. But out of his obedience, listen, they caught so much fish, they had to share it. They had so many fish in their boat, they had to call to another boat to come over and help them out. Now, they had fished all night, both boats caught nothing, but out of one word of obedience, Pete, not only was Peter and his team blessed, so was the other boat. I want you to know your obedience is a blessing to somebody else. In fact, my pastor would say it this way. Somebody is waiting on the other side of your obedience. I'm going to say it again. Somebody is waiting on the other side of your obedience. How many of you have been blessed by someone else? How many of you can point to at least one person in your life and say, my life would not be what it is today if it wasn't for that person's influence? You want to know what? It was their obedience. It was their obedience that brought them to that place of influence in your life. Now, number three, your obedience is also a benefit to others as he calls his partners. Not, as I mentioned earlier, not only was he blessed, but so was the other boat. Now, here's what I want you to understand. When we moved to Belgium, not knowing the language, not understanding the culture, realizing that Belgium is so diverse, so many different cultures, that are there, little did I know that not only was we, were we going to be a blessing to others, God was going to be a blessing to us in the process. But it didn't come easy. It came with conflict. Listen to me, folks. Realize it's not all about you. God's called you to also benefit others. Your life is all about surrender, first to the Lord, and then second to His will. And here's what I want you to understand. 
We hit conflict after conflict. Government didn't want us to be there. Threatened to deport my family. I'm going to tell you what, there's a couple things you don't mess with in my life. You don't mess with my money. Come on, folks. Never touch my lunch. But don't mess with my family. And the government started to threaten to deport them in 2003. Now, folks, I remember complaining to God. Lord, you called me here. You need to take care of this. How many of you guys ever had honest conversations with God? Look, you can't offend him. Just, just speak it out. But listen, folks, when I got real with him, victory came in my life. Amen. Government changed their mind. Open doors came open. And it led, us, it, it led us to a place that it allowed us to become a blessing to other people. Now, here's what I want you to understand. Everybody say, first, I'm blessed, I'm blessed. to be a blessing. We were able, we were, God allowed us to help others navigate their seasons because we first walked through it. Amen. I'm going to say it again. We were able to become a blessing to others, help them navigate their difficult seasons because we first went through it. 29 churches later. Come on, folks. Amen. I want to just... Stipulate, we didn't plant all those churches. We provided the training for it, the support for it. Yeah. How many guys understand? Yeah. You see, God's not only going to bless you, He's going to help you to be a blessing to others. That's right. Point number four. I want you to see this. Your, obedient, your obedience to the present is preparation for the future. Your, your, your future will be determined by your obedience in the presence. In the present situation, what is God asking you to do? And when, if you look through verse 9 through 11, which we're not going to do right now, but just let me tell you, Jesus gave them an invitation. They were obedient to say, okay, Lord, does it make sense? We're going to cast our net out one more time. And they caught the harvest. Peter is repenting to Jesus. I'm a sinful man, O oh Lord. You know better than I do. And then Jesus says, come follow me and become fishers of men. Come follow me. And become fishers of men. Listen to me. I want you to hear this. Please listen to what I'm going to tell you. I showed you a church up there today. And I think the last time I was here, I might have shared a little bit of the story with you. But two and a half years ago, we were given an opportunity to take a church from another denomination that they had attempted to plant. And they had wonderful church planters. And they were asking us if we would take over their church because it had struggled and they were leaving the country. The problem was, they had a lot of liability in that church. And what I mean was, and please don't be offended by what I say, we don't start with buildings. Come on. We invest in people. Amen. So we start in living rooms. We use cafes for Bible studies because we want to invest in relationships. So we have a philosophy. We say we invest in people. Eventually, people will invest in buildings. Right. I'm not a guy that says build it and they will come. All right? Because then you start out with a liability. They had a building with 11 people. I had no interest. And I had no interest. Pastor had no interest in doing this. And I said, man, I'm sorry. I love you guys. And I'm so grateful for what you're doing, but it's not for us. That night, how many of you guys know God can rock your world tonight? That night, I get a phone call from one of our leaders. And I'm sharing him with the this, this story. And he said to me, he said, uh, Bill, um, you're going to go back. And call that guy and say, we're going to talk. 
Now, this is my regional director in our missions group. And he said, I'm coming to Belgium. We're going to sit down and talk with him. Because, and he began to remind me, your vision for that city was a coffee shop. They were meeting in a coffee shop. A coffee shop that they had started. A coffee shop that they were renting. And he said, that was your vision for that city. They're going to hand it to you. You're going to say no. So we go and meet with him. We start to feel the witness of God. We begin to, we begin to talk to our other leaders about it. And I'm not going to bore you with the story, but after two months, the Lord provided $33,000 for us to take over that church. And we finally said, yes. Isn't it amazing how money can help you say yes real quick? Would you like to do this? No, it's all right. $50,000 a year. Okay. So it's been amazing to see what God has done in this church. It, it, we, we, we adopted it at one of our campuses. So Gretchen and I are pastoring uh, both churches. We have a preaching team where we sermon prep together. We have ministry teams at both churches. And every week I alternate back and forth. It's been amazing what God has done, uh, even in the middle of the pandemic. Folks, that church, we started packing that place out, set up an overflow room. And we're talking about going to two services before the pandemic. 60% of that church are first-time believers. 60%. Of that church's first time believers. Now listen, in the middle of the pandemic, we uh, partner with a, a, an organization called Oasis. It's an anti-human trafficking center. I've had to really emphasize the word anti because my, my wife works there. And I kept saying, yeah, my, my wife works in human trafficking. I started wondering the looks that I was getting and my wife began to rebuke me. <laughs> Antis, we're against it, completely against it, okay? And we have a center that we partner with where ladies who are in prostitution come for refuge. And there was this person, she was on the screen today, she, we didn't realize she's transgender. God gave this person, her name at that time was Maria Jose, gave Maria Jose a vision to go find the Oasis Center. Now the Lord did that. So she comes. And the Oasis Center is closed because of the pandemic. But two of my employees, two of the people who worked for me full-time, were in the building doing a project. And she knocks on the door. They answer the door. And she says, God told me to come here. And they said, well, the, the center's closed, but our church is open. Church is only three blocks. Some of you might be offended if you come to my north campus because we're three blocks from the prostitute area, the red light district, okay? Well, three blocks away is our church. We're there on Sunday. So Maria Jose comes on Sunday. I'm not there. I heard about it. Praise God, you know. And then on Tuesday, she comes to my prayer and worship night. And we had about 22 people circled up. And the Lord just began. I didn't realize who she was. The Lord just began to speak to me about the adulterous woman. And how when the, the law began to, when, when the religious leaders began to elevate the law to stone the adulterous woman, Jesus lowered himself to the ground and began to write in the sand. Look, look at the paradigm. The righteous were going to stone you according to the law, but Jesus lowered himself to reach her. He lowered himself to see her eye to eye. Isn't that a beautiful picture? And here's what I said. I said, the Lord will do whatever it takes to reach us, but he won't leave us there. Because then Jesus said, turn away. She said, go away and sin no more. Isn't that a beautiful story? This, this person, Maria Jose, just begins to weep, stand up with her hands like this, cry. I'm telling you, it was one of the most, one of the most moving moments in my life because then I realize who it is. It's the, it's the prostitute 
uh, transgender woman, I didn't know at the time she was transgender, that came to the Oasis Center is now the church. The Lord's speaking to her at our prayer service. At the end of service, I'm doing what every good pastor does. I'm checking my text messages. And Maria Jose begins to talk to my wife, and, and she's from Ecuador, and, and she speaks pretty good English, and she said, Pastora, I, God's changing my life. I had a dream, a vision, and I'm going to remove this because I'm transgender. I'm going to cut my hair and become the man that God created me to be. I'm telling you, when I heard the word transgender, I went like this. Come on, folks, all in my business, look up, and I said, well, that's interesting. That's interesting, creative miracles, Lord, come on. And she wanted to get baptized. I'm telling you, this, this was a big struggle for me. Because I'm thinking, okay, I don't care what the community thinks. I absolutely don't care. Transgender people, folks, transgender people are welcome anywhere that I go. Jesus saves everybody. Amen. Come on, folks. Amen. What I didn't want was a message to the transgender community that you could come here and not change. Because if you get close to us, Jesus is going to change you. Come on, folks. Amen. So in our staff meetings, I finally said this. Four weeks of debates. I said, look, here's what we have to communicate. We are accepting, but not affirming. Everyone can come to Jesus. But believe me, when you make the commitment, he's going to change your life. Amen. And folks, I'm telling you, I sat down with Maria Jose and I said, we're going to baptize you. But you have to understand, we don't endorse gay marriage. We don't endorse uh, transgenderism. We believe that Christ has an identity in you. He made you perfect. He's going to continue to transform you. And she said, Pastor, I know, I know, I know. I will preach the gospel. And we baptized that woman. And I want you to know that person. Listen, we baptized her. She gave an amazing testimony. And today she's not Maria Jose. Today she is Jose. She's going to the, the, to the, the courts to change her name. She's becoming a man again. And she she says, I have found freedom in Jesus. Amen. Freedom in Jesus. So here is what I realized. If we would have said no to that church, we never would have met Jose. If we would have said no to that church, the first person we ever baptized in that church was a Muslim who came to Jesus. We never would have had that opportunity. It was because of a yes that we said we are in agreement. We are making a commitment to follow what you're asking us to do, Lord. And the Lord is doing the same for you today. Amen. What is he asking you to do? Last night I began to think about the journey of my life. I begin to think about my yeses and my no. Before I said yes to the Antwerp church, I had to say yes to be committed to church planting. And before I became committed to church planting, I had to say yes to becoming a missionary in Belgium. And before saying yes to becoming a missionary, I had to say yes from moving from South Florida, West Palm Beach, to North Florida, outside of Jacksonville, where I became a youth pastor serving in youth ministry. And before I said yes to moving to North Florida to be a youth pastor, I had to say yes to serving on my local church youth ministry team in South Florida. And before that happened, I had to say yes to the call of God on my life that I heard in the early 90s at a Petra concert. Yes, God speaks at Christian rock and roll concerts. That's where he called me to Jesus 
at the Petra concert, the greatest Christian band ever to exist. Do not argue with me. I rebuke you in Jesus' name. <laughs> Before saying yes to the call of ministry, I had to say yes to Jesus and to give my life for him. Before I said yes to missions, I had to support missions. Before I, I, I surrendered my life to live by faith every month instead of having the security of a profession, I had to say yes to surrendering my life to God. Every yes leads to another opportunity to say yes. Every promotion in the kingdom of God is from one yes to the next. One yes to the next. Your yes says, I agree. I am committed. And here is the frustrating thing with God. When He asks you to do something, you don't always get the whole picture. If I'd have realized the pain it caused to leave my family, my external family, to take my immediate family to Belgium. We might not have gone. My mother just died. It's, it's, it's been a really rough two months. The last time I physically saw her was in 2016. If I would have, if I would have realized that, I might not have ever said yes to go to Belgium. But can I tell you something? This journey has been hard, it's been challenging, but it's also been rewarding. I live with purpose every day, and I've never regretted my yes to Jesus. I never regretted my yes to his call in my life. I never regretted yes to serving in our local youth ministry team. I never regretted yes moving to North Florida to become a youth pastor. I never regretted yes to saying yes to become a missionary. I never regretted yes to becoming a church planter. And I never, I never ever regretted yes to planting that church in the northern part of Belgium. My challenge to you today, and if there could be some background music, that would be awesome, but my, my challenge to you today is, what are you saying no to? And what are you saying yes to? Your greatest journey will be in the obedience of saying yes to God's invitation. Sometimes that yes is to stay put and trust Him. Sometimes that yes is to prepare to leave. Sometimes that yes is to stay. What is he saying to you? The first yes you'll ever need to make in your life to being a part of who he is and what he's doing is saying yes to him. Right. I want you to know I was born in 1972. Don't do the math. I'm 48 years old. I'll be, I'll be 49 in a couple months. My mom was 14 years old when she got pregnant with me. My grandmother tried to convince her to have an abortion. I'm thankful that was a big no. I mean, I just tell folks, as a former fetus, I'm definitely pro-life. But in the early 70s, a teenage girl having a baby, that just wasn't too popular. I grew up with the ridicule of the community. Alcoholic grandfather, I had to live in his house. Police came to our house regularly. I had to live with the ridicule of the community. So I, I can remember being a boy playing outside and the lady sitting up on the porch of their house 
trying to figure out who my biological daddy was because nobody knew. In fact, I didn't know until I was 39 years old. Found him on Facebook. He never knew he had a kid. Can you believe that? You see, I could look at my past and make excuses for why I say no. But when you're constantly looking at excuses, you'll never see the possibilities and the reward of saying yes. Amen? Amen. So the first yes I had to make in the circumstances that I grew up in, self-doubt, insecurities, never feeling good enough, was to say yes to Jesus. Because when we say yes to Him, all the things of the past don't matter anymore. Amen? There's new life in Jesus. He's come to give us life and to give it to us more abundantly. And I want to invite you this morning, if you've never said yes to Jesus, and normally when I get to this time of the service, I ask people to close their eyes. Because I believe this seems to be a personal situation. But you know what? Today I'm going to ask you to keep them open. I believe that God moves in amazing ways in our lives. I believe that some of you had no intentions of being here today. For whatever reason, you came. You said, yes, I'm going to come to church. And I believe that that reason for you to come here is because God wanted to encounter you. That God wanted to reach your heart. You know, you're never so far away from God that He can't be there in a millisecond. He is as close to you as the breath that comes out of your body. And the Bible is so very clear. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I just want you to look around for a moment. Just look around. Listen, those are a bunch of sinners sitting next to you. They're just like you. They're just like me. But many of them, regardless of their faults, have found a new life in Christ. I'm so grateful I said yes to Jesus. But I'm also grateful for the ones who presented Jesus to me that they said, yes, I'll serve you. I'll be an influence. If you're here today and you're feeling lost and you're saying, preacher, I I hear about Jesus and maybe you grew up hearing about him and knowing him. Maybe you've given your life to him in days past, but you know this very moment right now, you know that you're not living for him. God brought you here today. He brought you here today. So I want to invite you to say yes. If you're here today and you'd say, I know I'm away from God, but I want to give my life. I want to surrender my life to Jesus. And folks, that's really what it takes. We say just accept him in your heart, but you know what it really is? It's about giving yourself to him. Dying to yourself so that he could live within you. It's the greatest victory you'll ever have is dying to yourself. The greatest joy you'll ever experience is when you realize he's in control. And if that's you today and you'd say, I I want to give my life to Jesus, I want to say yes. If that's you this morning, I'm going to count to three. Would you just lift your hand as bold as you can with everyone looking today and just say, I want to give my life to Jesus. If that's you, just lift your hand. Lift your hand right now. If that's you today, I want to see, I see those hands over there. Thank you. Thank you. I need to get my glasses. Anybody else over here? I'm scanning through. Thank you. Two hands back there. Seven people so far, seven I'm counting. Anybody else? 
and say that. Come on, be bold about it. Anybody else says, I want to give my life to Jesus. That's me. That's me. That's me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Can we pray this prayer together? Close your eyes with me. Everybody say this with me. Say, Jesus, today I say yes. Today I believe you're the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords that you gave your life for me so that I could live. Today, I surrender and say, yes, I will follow you in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, let's give them a hand this morning. Now listen, I'm going I'm to take four more minutes, four more minutes today. But if you raised your hand, and there's people over here, there's people over here. If you raised your hand today and said, I, I, I gave my life to Jesus, I'm going to ask you to do something so bold. This is what I call the eviction notice. This is, you know, the, the Bible says uh, that if we're ashamed to confess God before men, that when we stand before God, he's going to be ashamed to confess us before his father. That, that's what Jesus said. So be bold today. If you lifted your hand and gave your life to Jesus, I don't care if it was the 10th time that you've done that or the first time. How many of you guys know he's the God of the repeat? Amen. If that's you today and you raised your hand, you prayed that prayer, I'm going to count to three. I want you to just stand right where you're at. Are you ready? One, two, three. You stood. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Now, thank you, sir. Thank you. Can I, can I ask him to come up here, Pastor? Can I ask him to come up here? Yes, please, please come meet me up here real quick. I don't bite, and I took a mint before he, uh, we got service started, right? Come on up. Please come up here with me, guys, if you would. Come on, let's give him a hand this morning. Folks, these are lives that are changing. People said yes to Jesus. Come on, let's give him a hand this morning as they come. Thank you, sir. Thank you. I want you to stretch your hands out to these folks. Come on down. I want you to stretch your hands out. And if there's any leaders that want to come and just stand behind them this morning. Father, we love you. These beautiful young ladies. Good looking men right here. Father, we thank you for moving upon their hearts and their lives. Lord, we declare this morning that they are a new creation in Christ. The old is gone and the new has come. Lord, we ask you to, Lord, bring deliverance where deliverance is needed. Lord, bring refuge where refuge is needed. Bring healing where healing is needed. But Father, we declare today that they are your creations. They are your creations, Father. You brought them here today to encounter you. So Lord, we ask that you touch them today. Supernaturally do only what you can do. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, can you guys look at me for a moment? Because I don't always do this, but this is important. Because I want you to hear this. When you leave today, you might hear this voice that said, well, that wasn't real. I want you to know it was. The Bible tells us that we don't fight against flesh and blood alone, but principalities and powers of this world. There's a spiritual battle going on right now. Believe me, it's real. Number two, when you get home, you need to tell the people who are closest to you, I've given my life to Jesus. That's right. I've given my life to Jesus. You're going to see a different person. Put them on notice. They might laugh. That's okay. They all laughed at me too. But I'm living for Jesus today. I was 17 years old when I gave my life to him. Amen? And then the third thing is this. And listen, you need to get plugged into a good church. How many believe All Nations Church is a good church? Amen? Because here's the reality, and I want you, 
Young ladies, listen to me. It's, this is a reality. You're never going to grow without other believers. That's right. Amen. It was a local church pastor that changed my life. My family didn't go to church. I gave my life to Jesus. I went to church because I needed those people in my life. Amen. So when you hear that doubt, just shut it away. It's real. Tell the people who are closest to you, plug into a good church. Amen. How many guys believe lives are changing today? Amen. Let's give them a hand. Let's give them a hand. Pastor, I'm going to give it to you today. What are you saying yes to? Bless you guys. Bless you. And, and I'd love to greet you outside after the service. All right? Bless you. Bless Come you. Come on, one more time. Welcome them in the family of God. Thank you, brother. Great word today. God used you. Thank you. Amen. This morning, we have the privilege in continuing to partner with the Lord and expand the kingdom of God through Bill's ministry in Belgium and Europe. I'm going to ask you today to write a check, dig in your pocket, pull out the cash, bring out your debit or your credit card, and give your best offering. Our best offering should go to advancing the kingdom of God, and that's what this is all about. Someone said, well, you just gave him a check for $2,669. Yeah, but that was something totally different today we're going to advance the kingdom through this love offering believe that god will bring souls into the harvest as we send laborers in the name of jesus christ make your checks to all nations those of you online you can go to the give now button at allnationstallahassee.com go to the missions tab and you'll find bill schwartz name under that missions tab and you can give right there online and advance the kingdom that way Thank you so much for your faithfulness, for your goodness, and, and for allowing God to use you in this generous way. Someone said, you know that shave it or save it thing, I was a little disappointed because I didn't win. Folks, you missed the point. It wasn't about whether I kept the whiskers or shaved them. It was about advancing the kingdom. And you should be thankful today that this church said we're going to give $2,669 to advance the kingdom of God. Had nothing to do with the beard. It had to do with the kingdom of God. That's what we're doing again this morning. Father, now I pray your blessing over your people. I pray that provision would flow into their house. I pray that generosity would flow from their being as you bless them abundantly. And they would partner with us to advance your kingdom in Belgium and across Europe. Thank you for Bill and Gretchen, for their family. Thank you for the 18 years that they've dedicated and given to you. And today I pray a special blessing in and over their life. I pray a richer anointing a mightier and a fuller presence of the living God. I pray that open doors fly open and they would be able to reach people as never before across Belgium and Europe. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you as you give and let's do it rejoicing, thanking God for what he's done in our lives. You made it to the end of the message and now what? Is God leading you to make a change? Are you needing a good church home where you can grow and help others grow as you fulfill your part in the body of Christ? Then we invite you to join us at All Nations Church on Sharer Road in Tallahassee, a multicultural church founded on the truth of God's Word and the power of the Holy Spirit. Our Sunday morning service is at 1030 and Wednesday night service at 7, plus youth group and kid power and small groups and more. For more information, visit our website, allnationstallahassee.com.